0: ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for some laughs, are you? At least your life isn't as sad as ours.
1: This is
2: Anything Goes with Darren Frost. How the fuck am I funny? And Dave Martin. What have we got here, a fucking comedian? Hey everybody! Welcome to the Big Bad Show for the week of June fourth. Uh, my name is Little Darren Frost, and this is Anything Goes. In the studio with me is my co-host Dave Martin. Dave, yeah, how are you? I'm good. Oh man,
0: you're loud on my headphones. Oh
2: well, good. That's where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> Supposedly loud well, that's everywhere. A, that's
0: a good. Yeah, you are loud everywhere. I am loud
2: everywhere. Um, this week on our show, we have two pre-taped interviews. Uh, the first interview was with Sean Cullen we did a week ago. Yeah. And uh, Sean uh, talked a little bit, and we shot the shit, and he said nice things about all of us. Yeah, he said
0: uh, uncomfortably nice things about us. I know. It like was, he was, knows it, it, it's, who it's, we are. It's a nice thing when people say nice things about you, but at a certain point, you're sort of like, all right, well, this is yeah. supposed to be about you. but Yeah, I'm not, not that
2: nice. I'm not that good of a comic. What are you mm-hmm. talking about?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, really? you can say that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but um, but also, Sean had his uh, his. his kid in the studio yes. with him and it's sort of i don't have kids so i just you know i'm i just associate them with pets so i'm like well right. couldn't you chain that up outside yeah, or something you like? have a
2: crate like some kind of kid crate yeah, yeah. sure you try to get on a <laughs> fucking plane with your kid like that you gotta put him in a crate that's what happens right
0: well you're gonna raise some kids? raise some alarms if you have your kid in a crate yeah. and he'll just sit here yeah, in the know, overhead the, compartment
2: the first year we carried my uh, third uh, son in a like a cat crate like instead of a little cradle, just a cat crate. That yeah. We did in a car, wherever.
0: Well, I've always wanted to get your opinion about what do you believe? What What, what are your feelings on taking kids on vacations uh, at an age where they're not going to remember them?
2: Well, I mean, you know, who cares? They're, they're under two. They're free. So you bring them so you can have a little bit of time. But, yeah, I know I know where you're going to no go with cares. this. You don't, If they can't remember them, fuck those kids. I get your opinion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll
0: Photoshop them into, like, some photos later. Yeah. It's like, oh, here, this is where you were on 9-11. And yeah. the two towers are in the background. Yeah,
2: but you know what you shouldn't do? I went and saw the Avengers at 9.45 p.m. start time. And a couple sat in front of me and my wife on our anniversary, our only night to go out and have a good time. So we had dinner and went and saw the Avengers. And uh, they brought their two children under four, two and a half and three and a half at a 945 start time. Who does that? I'll tell you who does that. Cunt parents do that. Selfish what? parents. Yeah. Cunt, like that. Ten forty-five. The one started whining and weeping and walking around aimlessly in the in the room. And it's like in the theater. It was awkward. You know what? Your kids should only be up at that hour if they're on blow. If your kids are on blow, then they can stay up till midnight. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> on blow okay. and you oh. tie them down and put them in a crate. Well, I, I, I that is
0: so selfish and then oh, big just, time because I had the, like the same thing. I went to go and see the the movie The Gray, uh, the yeah. Liam Neeson one. Yeah, and it's you know they they get trapped in the Arctic and then there's wolves holding yeah, them down. And there were two. There was parents both right behind me, both with their two kids, easily both of them under five. Yeah, and they're talking and they're asking questions. Wolf, question Daddy, look wolf, Daddy. wolf, Yeah, why is the wolf? They, they <laughs> weren't even like they weren't even asking you know like uh, intelligent questions. It was like fucking DVD commentary with your stupid kids. But mm-hmm. why would you take your children to that? Is I don't that loud know. noises and? I don't
2: know. First of all, I don't think the movie's appropriate for the age of the exactly. kids to begin with. Yeah. Second of all, you bring them to a matinee. That's what matinees are for. I can't complain if the bunch of kids are at the matinee, but I can at a fucking 9:45 p.m. start time. And
0: that's a long, loud movie. Two too. hours
2: and fifteen minutes of a lot of, a lot of bang bang hoo I didn't really like the movie that much because I couldn't concentrate. I had oh, two okay. kids whining the whole show. Every time an important moment would happen, I hear, "Daddy, I want to leave." You know, it's like, oh man, it's like. A Chicken at a fucking party that drank too much. Just shut up and sit in the corner Don't and enjoy the noise. Hulk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> enjoy the Hulk. Hulk smash.
0: Well, I was just like, I remember when I went to go and see the first Hulk movie, the Ang Lee one, which I actually I think I'm, I'm one of the few people that liked that movie. Right. But uh, there was a, a, a kid, this huge football dad, that with his like screaming son, and you know, and their mom was, and it was just like, really, your kid wanted to see this movie right. opening day, right? Opening fucking day. I was just like, oh, like no, oh, my son's <laughs> gonna see the Hulk. <laughs> All my characters turned southern at a certain point. That's oh my, right. it's like when we were talking about when I was at that carnival, and I said that I saw a lot of like at-home haircuts. Yes, just like we let our son cut his own hair.
2: Now, didn't you say there's a documentary coming out on grooming?
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, it was uh, Jason Bateman and Will Arnett are doing a documentary called uh, Manson. Right. What Handsome and Man put okay, together, okay. yeah. So. I thought
2: it was like a Manson documentary no, that's, when you first said it. i like, When weird. I say
0: it, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, is this about Charles Manson? No, yeah. it's about male, Then the boom in the male grooming so industry. So kind of like
2: what Chris Rock did for, for black women's hair, because good hair. I don't know if yeah, you saw that documentary. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's like that then.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I right. yeah, like that. The male it's equivalent. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, but, I mean, they're talking about what a huge industry it is, too. Oh, Just for like sure. That, that male... Especially uh,
2: in the last five years. It's skyrocketed. Well, what I think is... Nine blades on a razor, fucking all kinds of ointments. You know, 10 years ago, this shit wasn't around.
0: Well, it's, it's interesting. As, uh, as much as women have sort of climbed the business uh, ladder and getting into more areas where men have predominantly been in, that men are actually going into areas where they are not usually yeah. found in, in, like, the beauty industry yeah. and the, making beautification more of a, a manly thing. Yeah, I which, mean...
2: I'm all for it as long as my ass can smell like apricots. That's what I'm glad for, that they've made some – broke down some barriers. It sounds like you've
0: gotten complaints about your uh, ass. Yeah, like,
2: not as apricot Put some more apricot down It's there. too assy. Yeah, that's what my wife says. Well,
0: I don't know, I was just – because I have big sweating issues, and I was uh, – before the microphone started rolling, I was – Don't do it. you going to shave
2: it? You're going to shave your I might ass? You shave my butt? Yeah. I'm, if it, don't if it, do it. Why not? Look on it, the internet. I looked it up because I thought of the same thing, and I read I, all the things people I say, don't do it. Because your hair actually... You've already uh, looked into
0: this. I have looked into okay. it
2: because I have a hairy ass as well, and I have issues, and I've got an ass beard. I've talked about it on stage Oh, before, yeah, like right? your
0: Jim the Anvil Neidhart exactly. sort of goatee. Yeah, it's yeah.
2: down when I shower, so I've looked into it, and they said don't do it because oh. it, ha- it holds all the sweat that comes out. Otherwise, you, if you shave your fucking asshole, every day, <laughs> oh, every just... day you're going to have wet pants, oh. and you better wear dark pants because if you wear fucking light pants, they're going to see that fucking crack of wet that's under there. So it's, That's it, what the hair does. It you, holds the sweat. Really? It holds the sweat in, yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I, okay. Maybe I'll go on the internet and read about it. I cause... would read
2: about it. There's not a single person that goes, I'm glad I did it. Lots of people going, man, it itches like crazy. There's sweat everywhere in my underwear now. It looks like a fucking Latrice. What if it's already
0: sweaty? Well, it, it looks like a latrine. A
2: latrine, because it just pours out water. You oh, okay. know? At the end of the day, it's all dry and hard. They don't power. have American
0: standard yeah, stamped yeah. on your taint. Yeah. No. Okay.
2: Not yet. Not yet. That's coming next. So.
0: Yeah, with well, my corporate sponsorship. Yeah. My tank gets a lot of exposure. Yeah. So. That's for man-
2: to- That's romance Manson too, I think.
0: <sighs> the shaving of the taint. Yeah. The revenge of the taint.
2: Revenge <laughs> of the
0: taint. Uh, In 3D. Uh, In 3D. I just, I don't know. I get, it's just, it's, it, there's a lot of heat coming out from my undercarriage and I just want to, <laughs> my there's just a lot of stuff going on down there that I don't want to be a part of. I think every time that a man buys a, sh- like an electric shaving razor, yeah. you should have to wear a shirt or you should have to wave to everyone else in line at Shoppers Drug Mart just saying, this is for my butt or this is for my groin. Here, I, I'm
2: calling you right now. This is my invention. Okay. After you said that the heat from your undercarriage, we should somehow at night rig up something where that heat goes into something and then you can use that for the rest of your day and heat your house that way. So it's, uh, it's all for the planet. Well, it's all for the planet. Maybe like some if, kind of solar type thing that uh, takes that heat, turns into energy, and then it runs your dishwasher.
0: You're, I don't think that much energy would come out of. Well, out, you said a lot comes tent. from your Maybe maybe I plug in my iPod or something like that. My iPod could probably <laughs> run off the sweat coming from my taint. That's probably about it.
2: Okay, well we got to go. Uh, <laughs> on meeting, that note, on that note, we also have a second interview with uh, Mike Gambra, a comic out of Rochester that I did. Uh, Rochester. Uh, Rochester. You said Rod- Rochester. Chester. I'm thinking of your undercarriage. Yeah, it's that's so before, you cook,
0: before you cook the Chester. Before you cook the Chester. It's raw. Yeah. It's raw Chester. Anyways, you It's Rochester.
2: Okay, we've got to wrap Jack this up. Bunny's, uh, we're done. Jack Benny's. Uh, Jack Bunny. Jack Bunny. Jack Bunny and his you know, raw ra- Rochester. It was his assistant, was yeah. ra- Rochester. So uh, we're going to do that, and then we're going to come back and try to wrap this whole thing up. So oh. two interviews today Sean Cullen and Mike Damber.
0: I'm going to come back with a shaved butt. <laughs> Putting the word rap in "rape." This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. Uh, this is comedian Dylan
3: Gott. You're listening to Anything Goes on Sirius XM Radio. Laugh Attack.
0: Get those letter-writing pens ready. We're back. This is Anything Goes with Aaron Frost and Dave Martin.
2: Okay, we're back from the break, and we are recording live from the comic strip in Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, Many consider the best comedy club in the country. And joining me, our last co-host from last year, and is now making her ways back to L.A., is Kathleen McGee is here again.
4: I'm back in Edmonton for a while. It's really exciting.
2: (laughs) And uh, joining us in the comedy club environment is a comedian that I have not seen in many, many years, but worked with in the 90s and uh, had to open for him and learn the ropes from. So hopefully uh, he has some great stories to tell us about his uh, touring days. From Rochester originally, Mike Danbury is here. I
3: am here in snowy Edmonton. Snowy
2: Edmonton in April.
3: I know. It sucks. One day, I know it sucks. Yeah, just today.
4: I know I was I was I was furious when I woke up this morning. Actually, furious. And I, my friend said, well maybe it's just a sign that you shouldn't be in Edmonton. I'm like, can someone tell the American government that so we can speed up the visa?
3: <laughs> Frosty, I haven't seen you since the Mexican wrestling mask. Yes, and the, the security Inn. guy, Yeah, yep. chased you underneath the pool table, and then we rode up in the elevator and scared that girl in the room.
2: That's right. For the first time in probably Mike Danbury's career, uh, a male got him into trouble on the road. <laughs> that is true. A male got him into trouble. I wore a Mexican wrestling mask and started screaming. Because the, in the 90s, you used to do like eight-week runs. Yep. And by week two, you were suicidal. By week three, you've talked yourself back into it. By week four, you're wearing Mexican wrestling masks. Yep. By week five, I'm trying to fuck whatever I can see. And by week six, I'm, I'm crying because I tried to fuck whatever I could see. So, you know, it was a long, long tour back then.
3: We were here, and a guy here asked us to drive his girlfriend to Calgary, and it was Frosty's car. So we had to clear through Frosty, and Frosty said, yeah, sure. And halfway, just past Red Deer, Frosty pulled over, got out of the car, took all his clothes off, whipped them at the window, and said, I'm fucking heading off. This is it. (laughs) (laughs) The girl was just staring. And then Frosty put his clothes all back on, got back in the car and said, okay, I'm fine now.
4: Oh my god. Okay, so you I you officially are one of the comics have has the best stories and road stories. And did you know that you're the first live stand up I ever saw?
3: I remember meeting you That then. was
4: like the first time I ever saw stand up comedy. Live in a comedy club environment.
3: Who was with me? Do you remember that? Uh,
4: Jay Brown, because I remember he hit on all my friends because they had big tits.
3: And Lori Ferguson.
4: Yes, that was, It was. Yeah, and I came to every show that weekend. I did bring girls one weekend, one show, but then after the whole, uh, <laughs> all my friends were feeling a little uncomfortable. Then I didn't bring them back to the comedy club for a while. But uh, so you have some amazing stories. Though, like seriously, you've been jumped, you've been attacked after shows. Oh yeah. Yeah.
3: I've had a gun pulled on me in the front row.
4: In the front? When? Where?
3: Uh, Ohio, Youngstown, Ohio. Lady was mocking the first guy, and I said I'd take care of it. And I got up on stage, and she pulled a gun. She was pregnant. She pulled the gun. and She
4: was pregnant, she, and she pulled a pregnant gun. Pregnant, and she
3: was an that's ex-cop. A, that's she had been a kicked off the bitch. force. Oh my god! And they were running for her, and she said, "What are you going to do if I shoot you with this gun?" And I go, "Nothing. Punch you in the baby, I guess." <gasps> and she threw the gun down. You said, "Punch my baby," and they tackled her. Otherwise, she would have shot me. They I'm tackled figuring.
4: a pregnant woman.
3: Oh yeah. Good lord! Like over the chair into the wall. Like she would have been right on the side.
2: Now, now, here's the, the bigger question to all of this, is that here's a guy who's American. Uh, the dream of many Canadian comics is to work in America, uh, in Rochester, which is a good scene in terms of, like, to be yeah. able to fly out of and in and out of anywhere in America. Yeah. But yet you have spent a lot of your time in Western Canada, not even in Toronto, which is the, the hub of comedy, but in the fringes in the of the West. Yes. And, and was that just due to you came here and you kind of fell in love with it? Or was it necessity? You were running from something, some kind of crime? Like, why? <laughs>
3: in the early days when we had a Yucks in Rochester, the tour that you got was to come out here. Right. That's where they sent, that was your first tour. And then in the East, you had to go through Donnie Coy. Mm-hmm. And he said no. So I came out here. Right. And then once I came out here, they said you could come every six months. So I said okay. Right. It was eight weeks at a pop then.
2: And see, to me, it seemed like you spent, it was like three or four times, but obviously it wasn't. It was probably only twice. It but, was twice a year. But yeah. everyone would think it's, no, he's like doing 34 weeks in a row. It in seemed Western like I Canada. was always here. Yeah, yeah totally yeah. always here. Because yeah. I was only here once a year at best because they hated me. So it was like always <laughs> in <not> January, <laughs> minus 64, and you're going with Danbra and plug in your car.
3: That's hilarious. And we listen to Harry Chapin. Yes. Yes, we Cats in the
2: Cradle. I still cry on any bus <laughs> or plane whenever any <laughs> kind of <laughs> Harry Chapin goes, you know?
3: You wore the mat. The, that's what I remember about that week. And math. people
4: love you out here. Like, I remember the first show that I saw people, you you pack rooms because every time you come out, people just... People love me so
3: much, they <laughs> jump me, beat no, me up. No,
4: I know. That's why I think it's so funny that you that you have been jumped in and things like that. Because you are a you're a super nice guy, but why do you think people get, Rimby, get angry at you? Well,
3: Rimby was, when Rimby, we got Alberta. jumped in Rimby, yes. We Rimby, got, Alberta. Me and Drew Bame got jumped in Rimby because... Uh, there was an actual retarded guy in the front row, and I refused to pick on him. So I made him like the hero of the show. Sure. And these kids came in and said, "We paid ten bucks. We'll say whatever we want to say during Drew's set." So I told them, "You got to be quiet." I'm not as nice as this guy. I bought them all around the shots and said, "Maybe you haven't been to a live show before." Toasted them, walked away, and they were pissed that they were asked to shut up. So they waited for us. And after the show, we got in the truck, and I saw the side view mirror. They came. So Drew gave him the keys of the truck. So I held the one kid. Yeah. You know, I held him. I wouldn't let him go right. the other hit So then they came around, and it was two-on-one. And then Drew came around to help me, but he held his hands up like a goalpost and basically said, anybody want to punch me right in the face? And that's what they did. And then people came out of the bar to help us, but.
2: Yeah. And and where is this town? Where is Rimby, it? yeah,
3: right in between Red Deer and
2: here and Right, okay, so almost pretty much the middle of nowhere. Yes.
4: Can I tell you that I was uh, that um, I did a show and some woman came up and she goes, "I own a bar in Rimby, and one of the comics got jumped once." And I was like, "My camera!" She's like, "Yeah, it was crazy. They were great, but it was crazy." Yep.
2: Yep. Now, one of the things in your act, you always refer to the guy, uh, the, the the phrase pickle. Yep. And I've always wondered, why is there no pickle t shirts? There's no pickle. There are uh, pickle t shirts. There are pickle t shirts? Yeah, it says I'm with pickle. Oh, I, when I'm did you start doing that? Seven years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember, like, in the 90s, people would always ask you for merch. Yep. And this is before the whole wave of merch where comics that made their second income from it. And you were thinking about it, maybe, but, you know, you didn't and want I to lug them all the way from Rochester, that kind of stuff. I had nothing, yeah. I had yeah.
3: nothing. I have pickle shirts, pickle. T- CDs, DVDs, whatever. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: And, you know, I remember one time, uh, back in the 90s, I have to keep on saying that, like we're fucking interviewing uh, Urkel. <laughs> we're interviewing Urkel next or something. <laughs> As anything goes, back in the 90s with Screech. Fuck that cunt. Anyways, uh, that's my own opinion. Uh, it does not reflect XM serious radio whatsoever. Um, I remember one time there were these two girls that were bothering you. Like, you know, you're nice to your fans, and, you know, sometimes these girls would be a little too forward for you, and you weren't interested. You were either dating someone or, you know, whatever. And, right. and I, my job was to uh, annoy or or creep girls out. And I remember one time you're like, Frosty, you've got to get these two broads away from me. Like, they're, they're crazy. They want to take me into the room. I've told them no. They won't take no for an answer. I said, okay, give me 30 seconds. And literally, like a minute and a half later, they came running out of the bar screaming and crying. That's true. And someone said, what the fuck's going on? Oh, just Frosty's getting rid of some broads for me.
3: That's why we brought you up to that room that night. Yeah. Because I said, that girl goes, I want to stay in your room. Can I stay in your bed? And I said, no, you, you're my buddy's girlfriend. And Frosty goes, I'll take care of this. And he put on the mask, and we got in the elevator with Tim Lowey. That's right. The door is closed, Frosty took off all his clothes except his shoes, and he had the wrestling mask on, and he walked into the room, and she went berserk. She went nuts.
4: Can I say something? Okay, so Frosty used to like get naked all the time, you used to get guns pulled on you, but now you're both uh, married, and you both have children, and in fact, you have a child that is currently puking all over the place, right? Uh, yeah, she you? is right now. Yeah. So that's like, I don't have kids, and I know that all the comics that do have kids, all of a sudden... It changes a little bit. So I just want to, I want to know from you guys, how has having kids changed your comedy career?
3: It didn't change me with my son as much as it did with my daughter. I'm way worse with my daughter. Like way worse about going for long periods of time. Or with my son, I was just like,
2: "Buck up." But you're also a lot older, the two, the age Absolutely. difference, yeah, right? Yeah, my so, son's
3: 27. My daughter's two. Right.
2: So, I mean, I know if I had kids in my 20s, I would probably have felt the same way of, like, i got to go on the road to make a living. Yep. But now I'm I'm only 41, but I'm still, like, I don't want to go around or away as much as I probably would have. So yeah. that's a big factor, too. Now
3: I won't go for more than two weeks at a time with her because I'm with her all the time now. Right. Or with him. I had just started. I had just started comedy. And you turned down work then. Forget it. You weren't working anymore. You weren't going anywhere. And where are you based out of now? What's your experience? here? Edmonton.
4: He's he fell in love, right? You fell in love with a lady, and yeah. you and you moved here.
3: I moved here.
4: That's so funny because nobody moves here. <laughs> I moved here.
3: I cured her cancer and moved here. That's what that one was. That's
4: an amazing story too. Because she, you she guys had, have a really good story.
3: Oh yeah, she was done. She had a year left. She had uh, thyroid and brain cancer, and then somehow. She had radiation packets sewn in her, and she got pregnant, and they said $10 million to one. And the baby's immune system cleared out the cancer and kept her alive like she was in an oxygen tank, Wow. Yeah, so they said, we suggest you keep this
2: child. Right. Wow. Okay. Yeah, no adoption now. You're ripping up papers behind the doctor? Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I stayed. I stayed
3: here.
4: So your daughter is a cancer-absorbing baby. Yep. That's, a, that's actually, I wonder if they've done any studies for that. Like, if I ever get breast cancer, I'm getting knocked up.
3: It's my sperm, Kathleen. Just so you know. it's Okay. My
4: sperm. Good to know. Well, I'll talk. I'll talk to Melanie. I'll be like, listen, Melanie. I, I I just don't want to do chemotherapy. I have to take this. <laughs> I have the sniffles, Melanie. <laughs> <laughs> I need some Dambra sperm. That's right.
2: Yeah. X Men ate the cancer babies. That's what I. They're all mutants. We need the babies. We need Danvers babies. There, and,
4: that's that's. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm still stunned by that. Has there been any research about women? Yeah, and, and you know and, what?
3: That's the stem cell stuff that they refuse to do in the states. That. That here, we had five doctors that were telling us, yeah, it just pumps up the immune system.
4: And there's no chance of your daughter getting sick or just, like, genetically everyone?
3: No, as much of a chance as anyone else gets. But no, she's, like, pretty much a miracle kid.
4: That is a miracle. And they
3: told us she'd be tiny, like, because of the radiation. But she's, like, super freak Spider-Man smart about certain stuff. So that's
2: that's bizarre.
4: You have a little superhero. That's awesome.
3: Yeah, she's cool.
2: And do you ever bring up the, your daughter in your act, or are you still it's very uh, separate? Yeah, I can't. Yeah, can you do your kids? Well, my whole my whole act now is about, is it my about kids. Is about your kids. The I can do the wife.
3: I can even talk about the cancer stuff, but right. I can't do the daughter stuff. I can't do it. I don't know why. I could do stepdaughter stuff. Right. That doesn't bother me, but right. the daughter stuff I can't go there.
4: Maybe it's, I think that some dads, um, not necessarily mine, because he didn't give a shit about, no, my dad did give a shit about me, he just liked my brother more, but uh, (laughs) I think a lot of dads, like, it's the little girl thing, it's daddy's little girl, and you want to protect her. If it was a little boy, maybe it would be, because you have all boys, Darren, maybe it's easier because they're little boys, and whatever, you take it, but little girls, you feel like you have to protect them because it's a mean, terrible world, is that kind of why Yeah, because
3: I have two boys, and that doesn't... Face me. Like, that doesn't bother me. But anything. But maybe you about think the girls,
2: like, boys, the tough, you know, that whole cliche, boys are tougher, they can probably handle if they hear something, but no, no one wants to hear a daddy say something bad about their About girl. their
3: little girl, yeah, absolutely. Like, Plus, I mean,
2: audience wise, too, though. I mean, saying the way audience perce- yeah,
3: perceive it. It's bad enough that. To get people to turn on me to the point where they're jumping me. I don't need to say bad shit about my daughter. Right, right.
2: See, I haven't learned that lesson yet. (laughs) I I get jumped, I still say shit about my kids.
3: Now, are you worried that when the kids get older that they'll be pissed?
2: Yeah, they're going to be pissed. But you know what? By then, if I'm still alive, my whole thing is I just want to get my kids to age 18 and I I don't care. I hope the whole fucking world dies the next day because then my job is over. See, I'm the same way. Get them to
3: 18. She graduates, I'm done. That's it. You better not have a gun anywhere within my reach because I will take out a mall.
2: Fucking, you know, David Suzuki just says we've all fucked the world. We're all going into pods. They get in a pod, I stay here, and I fight fucking all the Andrew Grosses of the world. That's what I fucking do.
3: I'm with you then. I'm in your army. I'm signing up for your army. That's
2: right. Um, And so what's your plans for the next little while? Just staying in Edmonton and uh, No, I actually
3: take off this week, uh, three months in the States. Okay. Yeah, and then come back. We're, We're trying to figure it out. Now that the baby's a little older, that she's two, like it was a bad one. You know the first year, but now I can take off a little more and mm-hmm. go and come back. So yeah, I got to go out east. I do Toronto and Absolute. I, I go out there for a couple weeks, Ottawa, then Toronto, and then okay. a lot of stuff in the states, and then come back here August or September. I come back
2: to Edmonton. And do you have a web presence? I couldn't. Do you, you not know, even a chance to even look it up? Do you have a website or Nothing. anything? Nothing. Never have. You never have, and you're just not going to take that plunge. I never did it. Wow.
3: All I ever wanted, to, seriously, all I ever wanted to do was. Perform in front of a live audience sure. from the time I was like six years old. That's it. Right,
4: you were the Artful Dodger and Oliver <laughs> he, on, Broadway. Yeah. on off Broadway. Off, Broadway. yeah, off Still. Broadway. Off. Yeah, off Broadway. Yeah,
3: I know. You I were. sang and danced. I sang for the Pope when I was sixteen. That's Shut true. Wow. Yeah, that's true. We talked about that when yeah. you were listening to Harry Chapin. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And there isn't there a story with uh, the you performed for a president or something or?
3: Oh, uh, I performed for NASA and Condoleezza Rice. I told her she had that's a big right. vagina and I didn't know it was her.
2: That's right. That's and I right. said, "See
3: that gap in your teeth? That's why uh, that's George Junior <laughs> is so happy all the time." <laughs> and it, they just went, "Show's over!" And there was a Secret Service guy at every table, and they all stood up. The lights came up, and here's how cocky I was. I. I actually set up merch in the back, and I'm like, <laughs> and I said, Anybody want merch? And her secretary came up to me, and they asked for my name, social security number, like everything. And I said, I'm screwed, like I'm dead. And I ended up getting a letter from George Bush L- Listen to your CD, good luck on the way up, you're a good American, blah, blah, blah. yeah.
4: And now that we know that uh, Secret Service agents are perverted uh, cheapskates that won't pay the full price for their prostitute, now it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If they're like, hey, you can't talk about a vagina. we're like, yeah, well, your head was just in a prostitute's vagina. I so. have never
3: been allowed back in that club. <laughs> never been when allowed back that? in that club. That was in Baltimore. Not Baltimore. Outside of Baltimore, Washington. Right in little corner there. Like Virginia in there. Yeah. And never again.
2: So I asked uh, Kenny Robinson, I'm touring with him right now through the West Coast, and I asked him, you know, anything I should ask you about, you know, story-wise, because (laughs) Kenny's been around 30 years, and he told me that I had to ask you the story about the police having to pull over a bus or the bus couldn't go because some broad was in front of it and wouldn't let the bus go unless you came off. So what's that whole story about?
3: That was my first tour here, very first tour here, and then you had to take the bus everywhere. the, the headliner would fly out from Regina. That was always the last week, and you would take the bus back to Calgary. And so I had to take the bus back, and some girl the night before wanted to hook up, and the next day she parked her car in the back of the bus, and she wouldn't move the car. And they came on the bus, they said, Mr. Dambra, there's an Ivy here. And I said, no, I'm not getting off the bus. <laughs> and security came and dragged her away, and she was screaming, but I love you.
4: Oh, Nice. And I had eight
3: hours on the – ten hours on the bus from Regina to Calgary with people staring at me. That's always
4: what stops me from ever doing any – well, I know for guys it's like you have to worry you're going to knock up a small-town girl and she's going to ruin your life or – but – I'm always scared that the comic that I'm touring with is going to have to identify my raped and murdered body. <laughs> I really, like, I am terrified. That's why I don't, I, like, I don't trust people on a regular basis, but I don't trust, like, drunken fans that want to have sex with me. Either.
3: Oh, she wrote my mother. She sent a letter to my mother. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, she was crazy.
2: But, your fans? Yeah, your fans, fans. Right? Crazy. And everybody,
3: guys would call me and say, you got a case of poison ivy, because her name was Ivy. Oh, right. And she I had showed heard, up. I,
2: heard, I had heard that phrase before.
3: And I was with Macalise. It was my first time ever working with Macalise, and she stood up in the middle of the audience at Calgary and said, Mike, I'm here. And I started crying. Uh, I started crying. I came off the stage, and they thought it was part of the act. And McAleese goes, how about that kid? He did so well. He's crying. Look at that kid. And I was crying. And they had to take her out of the hotel, out of the Blackfoot.
4: That's insanity. That's total insanity. And, and where is
2: she now? I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. Hopefully the power she... of the internet, though. She can find you. She'll hear this, and she's like, he still cares about me. He, he remembers. Cares about
4: me. I didn't want to uh, surprise you like this, but she's here. She's in the back of the room. She's in the back of the <laughs> with a hatchet <laughs> and a copy of your pickle CD. We can you please sign her. this with your cock? Can you sign this with your cock, please?
3: That was 25 years ago. Holy yeah. crap. How That's... long have you been
4: doing comedy for?
3: 26 years.
4: Oh, my Lord. And you, do you still love it? Or what? I still love it. it. I don't
3: like a lot of the attitudes anymore. I don't like a lot of the people that are in charge yeah. anymore. But I love doing comedy. Yeah. Um. But some of the new guys, the brand new ones, you know, like brand spanking new. They're, you know, I'm the grandpa all of a sudden yeah. on tour and I don't know what I'm talking about because they know. Or some of these bookers or people in charge of so-called festivals that need an audition tape from me can kiss my ass. I hate that part. I hate it.
4: Yeah. Well, and I think it is. I think it has changed like you know um I've noticed even in Edmonton the scene has changed so much. Yeah. Like when I was here they would do shows they would be booked shows you would have to work hard to get on those shows you would have to be working hard to get on the shows in the clubs but now it's like everybody's running show these running running these shows where everyone who shows up gets on. Yep. It's a t- 2 hour show of 20 comics and People are now feeling entitled to these spots instead of feeling like, i got to work hard to get that spot. It none of them. None of them anymore. anymore. Yeah,
3: it does not happen. Not here anymore. No it way.
4: It such a different scene when I started, and that was only seven years ago. Like, yep. when I started, I would come down to the club every single weekend, spend the entire weekend, watch the headliners hang out, um, and... and I, and the guys that I started with, we would we would do shows, we would book them, and we would have a few guys on, and every week it would be different guys, not the same people every week. Yep. And I think that what's happened is it's become so easy to get on a comedy stage that everybody thinks that after doing it 10 or more times, or even 20 times, that suddenly they're a stand-up comedian.
3: You don't even need a resume out here anymore. You just have no. to say you have a resume now. Yeah. And then that's it. You're getting work.
4: I mean, last weekend
2: I did uh, the Calgary Yucks, which is a really good club, and it's one of the best in the Yucks chain, and three amateur comics total came out to see us. And Calgary's a pretty vibrant uh, scene in terms of numbers, and I was shocked. I'm like, okay, you know, I got a big mouth. I shoot my mouth off fine. They don't want to come see me. They don't appreciate what I do. But, you know, it's Kenny Robinson, a legend in Canadian comedy you definitely can learn from, and none of them came out. And there is that sense of you're just an old guy. You haven't made it, Yep. right? You've probably heard that speech before, right? You haven't made it. And my answer to that is, listen, fuckface, I'll see you in three years when you're still opening for me. Yeah. If even that. I've told guys. I just had a
3: conversation the other day. Well, how many TV shows have you ever been on or you're still on the road doing road gigs?
4: New comics that uh, that talk about road work as being, it's not something I need to do, that drives me nuts. Yeah. Because- uh, I think that you've made it if you've been doing comedy as a career for 25 years. I that's, have... that's not just because you don't have a television show or something like that doesn't mean that you're not a really great comedian. I just, it's the mentality of the the YouTube generation where everyone has to be famous for me to give you a little bit of respect.
3: Absolutely. And, and they're crazy. all famous before they even know what the fuck they're talking about.
4: Yeah, like people who have five minutes suddenly are, are thrown out. And, and uh, I think Bill Burr even talked about that in that big rant about alternative comedy where he was like, you know, this guy puts a 10-minute YouTube video on. Yeah, he's great. And then he's thrown out to headline and he has 10 minutes. Yep. And it's like. You're not only screwing over your audience, you're screwing over yourself.
3: And that's where I see a lot of problems coming into comedy clubs. You lower the talent. And then the audience gets pissed off. Then they start yelling more and more. The staff doesn't give a shit. Bookers don't give a shit because yep. how much easier is it to book on Facebook than it is to actually put some effort into it? And
2: watch the act and make sure that they're doing a good job. That's and right. You want to rebook them. Show I mean, up once in a while. I don't want to say Canada is better than America, but it must drive you crazy when you're playing an A club and you're say you're featuring, which is the middle spot. Yep. And you're you know you're ten times funnier than the headliner. The headliner may be a nice guy and he may be a great guy, but in the, at the end of the day, that booker is. Probably going to book that headliner again as a headliner before he bumps you up. I
3: always get the where's your credits? Where's the yeah? Well, how's twenty five years of doing this? Yeah, it's day really hard. All my life, or how about that five year stint that I did without a week off? Is that a good enough credit for? Or how about my set tonight? Was that yeah. a good enough credit for yeah. you? Yeah,
4: I can I can guarantee you that my booking agency doesn't like the, that books me in Canada. They don't know my act. They haven't seen my act in a year. I, I can guarantee you that the people that book me. Have no idea what my new jokes are. Have no idea what my act is like now, and they still say you're not ready to headline. You're not ready to do this. And then I'll see other people get. It's just it's it's so crazy and frustrating that it's more of a it's more of a schmoozing type of business now than it is. About oh, big talent. time!
3: It drove me batty when I ran Calgary for a year. When I was out there running that club, that sure. I was always told, "Why are you in the club so much?" Why are you in the clubs? Or they would have pizza or wine in the office. Why aren't you sitting here with us? We're management. You're not a comic anymore. You're management. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. Isn't that why you hired me? Because I'm a comic? Like that's. Yep. That would drive me crazy. Well, here's the guys that are moving up, or here's the guys that are good, or really pulling in numbers, or doing good sets. They don't, that that doesn't matter. And it, it's way worse. And I've only been here, I've been living here three years now.
4: I know it does sound like a bunch of complaining, but... But this is coming from people who have been doing it for years. And when when did it when did it become that a guy that's been doing comedy for a year knows more than a guy that's been doing comedy for twenty five years? I still don't know half of the stuff about I'm still learning how to do this job. I've been doing it for seven years. And there's people that, you know, are giving advice after doing it for four years. And it's like
2: four years. I've, I've seen oh, comics yeah. like like a year on fucking Facebook telling comics this is what you got to do. And you got to do this, 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 this and this. And some of it is right. But some of it is very, very wrong. Yeah. And I don't know who you heard that from, because I guarantee you someone who's been in 10 years or more would never tell you to do those things. Right. But these are the people giving advice.
3: And when I first started my first year, if I ever would have barked at a headliner, not even in a club, in the car, I would have been on the side of the road. I would have been walking to the gig. I would have got left wherever I was. It wasn't even – it was unthinkable.
2: But, I mean, we can all sit here and go, you know, 20, 25 years ago was better. Uh, but you got to figure out how your own way is through this this thing called show,
3: yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, I
2: mean, you figured it out. You live here. You're doing your own shows now. You're not running a club. You're doing what you love. Right. You know, I figured out my niche being the angry troll. And whoever books me, books me. And whoever doesn't, I don't spend any time worrying about it anymore. And Kathleen's trying to get to L.A. We all have things going on. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the thing that keeps you going are the shows.
3: Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
2: You know? I mean you right that five minutes before you go to sleep at night when you're not worrying about your kids or your wife you're thinking about that great show you just did. Yep. And that keeps you going.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know? and I don't I couldn't even imagine if I didn't do it anymore.
4: It is I don't like know. is it like you're happy? It's my happy place. Like yeah. I can my uh It's my safe place. I had the, one of the craziest weekends of my life at the beginning of April it was my birthday. I thought I had AIDS, my grandpa died, everything happened that weekend and I had shows that weekend too and I had so much fun on those two shows on that day that I lost my grandpa and when I thought I was sick because like, my doctor wouldn't tell me why I had to come right? in for my tests, but I didn't know if I had cancer or had AIDS. And I was having the most stressful weekend of my life, but then I got on stage and I had a great time with the crowds, and I was like, this is why I do this. It, don't matter, it doesn't matter what festival books me. It doesn't matter what comedy television special I get or I don't get. This is, this is what keeps me sane in my life, and this is my... My way of, of staying alive. Absolutely, because kind of. I am dramatic. not
3: good with people off stage. Yeah. Right. I'm just not.
2: Well, most comics aren't. Yeah. Right. <laughs> most comics are social retards or, you know, whatever the term you want to use, socially inept. I mean, there's a reason we all have to get on that stage and do it yeah. and show what we want to talk about, and it's our stage, and we run everything. for That's for a reason. But I, I, I really think that you've got to put in – there's no more putting in the time. No, it's not there anymore. Well, No. But the Kardashians just signed a $40 million fucking deal. I mean, if that doesn't teach you that talent doesn't have anything to do with it. that's
3: just it. It's the Jersey Shore, the Kardashians now. So it's just – it doesn't matter who you are. Can you – Tap your toe or act crazy or weird right. or wacky. And
2: even stand-up-wise. I mean, a lot of the stars today I, I'm not big fans of. Um, oh. I, I'm not saying they didn't work hard for what they got. But, you know, back in the day when it was Pryor and Carlin, you know, you had a whole life into those the, that career and why they're they're so great. Yep. And, you know, and, and some of them are still doing that. Bill Burr, Chris Rock, they're still towing that same kind of, uh, you know, line with like right. C.K. But, I mean, it's getting fewer and fewer, especially amongst young comics. Yeah,
4: There's even that feeling that, you know, like I even catch myself being like, I've been doing it for seven years and I've done nothing. I've done nothing. But then I realize, no, there's comics that have been doing it for 20 years and they're still grinding it out and I need to calm the fuck down. And I think that that needs to become the attitude of more new comics is that if it's it's persistence. If you're going to stick it out, you never know what's going to happen to you. But uh, if you're expecting to have your own special three years in, When you're 10 years in and you watch that special, you're going to want to puke. Yeah. Because it's going to be embarrassing.
3: And I think it's everybody, too, not just comics, like bookers, like you said. Nobody shows up anymore.
2: Who shows up? They have no idea. The last guy
3: that I work with on a stretch said to me, oh, she's never seen my act. I just wrote her.
2: Right. Yeah.
3: I wrote her and told her this is how much time I could do. Right.
2: I mean, I've had comedy club owners. I'm like, well, we could get you on the CBC, but your act. I said, hey, I've done a ton of stuff in the last year on the CBC. Really? It's in my bio I sent you. You know, they don't even take the time to read the bio to go connect the dots. I might be able to get something and get more asses in the seats. That's up to the comic now. It's up to the comic to be the guy. I'm the marketer. I'm the guy who presents the show. I'm doing everything except washing the dishes. Absolutely. I will
3: bring the people. I will do the promotion. Yeah, absolutely.
2: For $200 a show. Yep yeah <laughs> you know yeah right? that's that's the reality of unless you're that guy who can demand a huge door deal the it's almost like a, the american um economic system there's the road warriors there's the stars, and that gap in the middle is really fucking big. that middle class is gone now from comedy it is in a lot of ways
3: yep absolutely, and there's no raises there's no
2: like a lot of guys you started with I mean we don 't have a lot of time left, but are there guys still that you started with that are still doing it or are most out under ten, yeah. Under ten, so, like under that ten.
4: to me that's successful if someone says you're not a successful comedian I'm sorry but you're still working on a regular basis you're right, a right. successful comedian
3: yeah well last time I went home like I saw a bunch of the guys and they they had drifted into different things radio yeah. and stuff like that right. different things but no more full-time no me
2: and that's sad
3: uh, oh yeah That's I,
2: very sad I'm you know you're a great comic but i I want more than just one guy doing it 25 years
3: oh me too it was sad for me to go home and figure. Here's the old stomping grounds. Everybody's going to come out and do a show. Sure. You know, everybody's going to take yeah. ask to do a spot, and we'll all hang out. Nope. Oh. One's doing a game show. Another one is yeah. the door guy at his church. The other guys. It was just. It was really weird to me, like it really, Stephen King like to to go back. And I go back once a year, so you know I hadn't been back in a long time. But right. it was just really weird to see that. Man. And a whole bunch of brand new guys telling me that they were headliners. That's what that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, where we man. were.
2: Oh well, it's never going to change. You know, the the young will try to eat the old, and the old will show them that they can't be eaten. That's, and in ten I mean,
3: years, those new guys will say how great it was.
2: Yes, ten years ago. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, all right, Mike, I want to say thank you for for doing the show. I really appreciate it. It's been oh, a long thanks time. for asking me, buddy. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, we really appreciate you coming in. Oh, thank you.
4: Thanks. And do you want to plug where you're going to be? Because this is North America wide. Yeah. No. <laughs> no.
2: No, nothing,
3: nothing. no, uh, no. Where am I next week? Goonies in Rochester, Minnesota. Okay, and then I go off to uh, Absolute Comedy, Toronto. Two weeks in Toronto, two weeks in Ottawa.
2: Okay, and yeah. when are the Ottawa and Toronto dates?
3: Last week of May, first week of June is the Toronto date. Okay. Last week of June, first week of July is the Ottawa date. Great.
2: All right. So please check that out. I tell you to go to the website, but there isn't one. There isn't one. There isn't one. (laughs) But check out the Facebook fan page. Is there? Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Go on Facebook, Mike Dambra, D-A-M-B-R-A, and uh, check them out. And uh, please, if you want to see a great comic, go to Toronto and go to Absolute Comedy.
3: Smoother than a stripper's area. This is Anything Goes
0: with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. Hey, metalheads, this is Jay Brown, the metalhead of comedy. You're listening to Anything Goes on Sirius XM Radio. Laugh attack.
3: Get ready to try and shower the filth off. This is Anything Goes with Aaron Frost and Dave
2: Martin. Okay, we're back from the break, and joining us in the studio, comedian Sean Collin is here. Sean, how are you? I'm very well, there. Sean, I have known you for so long, and the first time I ever saw you perform, first of all, you've been doing stand-up comedy and performing improv, everything for how long?
1: I don't know. It's about twenty. 25- 25 years. 25 Sleep. years. Yes. In
2: 1989 or 90, you may have to <laughs> correct me, I saw you perform on four picnic tables at Brock University during yeah. my frosh week. Yeah. Wow. And with Corky and the Juice Pigs and you did a tour – and uh, I had seen at that point a lot of comedians I'd seen Carlin I'd seen a whole bunch of of, uh, very traditional stand-up comics and what you guys did wasn't very traditional in terms of stand-up but man you guys were very very funny and it was the first kind of introduction to a comedy not in a gigantic theater because you guys were doing anywhere and anyhow at that time
1: yeah well the thing was uh, we we started off uh, in about 1987 we did a Started off uh, in about 1987, we did a a, a comedy contest, and, mm-hmm. and out of that, we over the summer, and uh, we got jobs at Yak Yuck Yaks, and we started touring across the country in Yak Yuck Yaks, and it ended up not being well, very you much it? money. Oh, okay. <laughs> and yeah. they would always say, yeah. "Hey, here." Uh, 12 bucks Travel by with three. this guy. Travel with this guy. Right. And he'd have a Chevy Vega and it was like there was no room in it. Right. And we'd have a guitar and no one would ever have three uh, microphones. And so we started doing university tours and uh, they ended up being uh, very fun. And I mean, a lot of people have seen us there. And, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I have to say, Darren, you're one of the most um how do I say it? it you you break ground. You do everything you want to do, sure, and uh, you do it the way you want to do it. And I I admire you for that. I've always thought you were an amazing comic for that reason, and uh, you still manage to be charming, even I though try. you're saying horrible things. I say horrible
2: things, but I sometimes I smile in between them, and well, then I nod.
1: We have Dave here too, yes. who I first saw doing Glue Guy. Right, Glue Guy, and here was his impression of Fred Flintstone doing the Star Trek Enterprise. Right. Well, it was just, it's just <laughs> hey, hey, I can't even remember. But that's, that's a long time ago. Yeah, where's my glue? Yeah, where's my glue? Where's my glue? <laughs> Do you want to know what and I that hate? Was the, that was amazing. <laughs> Do you want
0: to know what I hate about women? They're always trying to take your glue away. See, yeah, that's the but, thing. But here's a
1: guy worse. who's being put into a wood chipper. Hi, everybody. How's everybody doing? <laughs> <it>? Ah! <laughs> oh, that's, <laughs> there was some great moments. Well, that was I, the, old, the old comedy club with the trap door
0: underneath that would have a wood chipper underneath. And I've then, never
1: believed that I was a stand-up comic because you guys are stand-up comics. Well, what are and, you and Rebecca and and Darren? I'm not. I'm not. I'm a kind of a cabaret performer. I do. I, I act at it. I do. This, I I have characters, and I. So do would you consider thing.
2: yourself more of an entertainer than a stand-up yeah, comedian?
1: I've always. The people I've always admired were people like Bob Hope or right. Bing Crosby or yep. uh, like Frank Martin. Sinatra, Dean Martin. Um, Paul Williams. Paul Williams. Yes. People Is that the guy
5: from Phantom of the Paradise?
1: Yes. yes. love yes. that guy. He's great. Exactly. He's and he did a few episodes of The Brady Bunch as well. Yeah. But, uh, just, uh, I, 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 Jackie Gleason is the one I, I love the most. I mm-hmm. mean, he is an all rounder. He does, he, mm-hmm. he was a musician and a, a band leader and a dancer and did all these amazing things. And I kind of feel like I'm out of time in well, a weird way. I, I mean, I, 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 I always have admired people who just go out there and do their stand up and, they have to just sink or swim on that, and that's an amazing, amazing thing. To
0: see. But see, I think that that you calling yourself an entertainer is so fitting because you're you're, you're multi talented. I mean, like a like a you're song and dance man, and and, and hilariously funny. Um, but I always find when 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 uh, when stand up comics refer to themselves as entertainers it 's almost like they 're taking a step back by saying well i 'm not really a comedian i 'm more of an entertainer well comedians but I, mean, I think are really
1: in the in the line of fire I mean comedians go out there and sell themselves on their personality right and there 's something about comedy that is so polarizing people are it's all so relative to your – I mean, everybody thinks they have a sense of humor. Right. Everybody thinks they're funny. Mm. And, and it doesn't matter who you are, the most humorless person in the world, yeah. you think you know what funny is. And when you go out there and try and reach everybody mm. with your point of view, and often you fail or, you know, yeah. y- and you figure out what to do or how to make every show work – that's an amazing skill, an amazing gift, and and comics. I it's it's why actors always say, "Oh, stand up comedy terrifies me." Yeah, because but, you can but, always I mean, hide behind someone else's words if you're an actor. When you're doing right.
5: stand up, and you know, I've seen you do what Why i, I are can, you well because you're saying things. you don't do stand up I don't
1: i'm not a great stand up
5: I fan. think you're a great stand up comic Yeah, uh, I think
1: so too, but okay. And
5: and like what you're saying about I Darren doing yeah, you know, yeah.
1: Dave <laughs> no. and I have Dave's on had the outs tonight anyway though. Because uh, uh, do you think you want to fight? Do you, uh, well, I, I want to see that fight. <laughs> I want I want to fight because I think I'm tough. Yeah, I know you are. <laughs> right.
5: But when you're doing stand up, do you think you're hiding behind a character?
1: Well, I, I think every comedian has got a persona yeah, and yes. they build it. And yes. it, that's the hardest thing about being a comic is figuring out what your persona is, what your voice is, and what your audience um, is. Yeah. Yep. And, and just going, you know what? I'm not going to reach everybody. This is the persona and I'm going to do it. And, uh, you know, the hardest thing about, doing comedy when I came out of the Juice Pigs I mean the Juice Pigs was just like a, a an overwhelming onslaught people mm-hmm. would buy into it or just be overwhelmed by it and then yeah. they'd go yeah that's great I, well there was noises but, noises but you guys were
2: like a jet engine it, yeah. was, it would go over like the times I saw it it would go over huge and yeah. it, you either had to get on board or you would just it'd be, you're sitting there looking at everyone going why, they like, all why it? am
1: I the dick in this yeah. situation yeah. but yeah. It, you know with uh, stand up it takes so long to figure out what yeah. you want to say in your right. voice, and the great advantage of say I came out of the acting tradition, and and you come on stage and you you are already aware that you have to have a persona, mm-hmm. you're already aware that this is a you're on stage, it's already an artificial situation. It's not like you're talking to your friends, although comedy is a conversation. Yeah. it's not. Like it's a, you performance have, still. Yeah, it's yeah. a performance. Yeah, it's a performance still. So, and when you watch people at their um, their uh, when they're going through their op- uh, open mics and they're figuring it out, and you see that person's going to be great as soon as they figure out who yeah. they are, yeah, who yeah, the, who the thing yeah. is they're yes. they're trying to sell. And it's like Darren, you know, you you found it, and and Dave, you do this thing, and 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 uh, and Rebecca, you've got you know who you are. You've got your Rebecca, your, you'll come I around at some point too. You know, yeah, you'll come around I to know, something. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I but I I think it's even harder for women because men judge you immediately as you come on the stage, and not just men but women too. In the well, I'm,
5: that's really interesting for you to say because I think that sometimes, but I've said it to a lot of people, and they're like, "It's bullshit." Because
1: women are shit. <laughs> No, but what do you? (laughs) No, but I really think think women women have the hardest time because when you when you always comedy and being an idiot has always been something that's a man's purview, and women are sensible. Yeah, women have a. Women are nurturers, and they have to keep the world going. And men are always free to be fools. I think I think a lot of men are,
0: are kind of like threatened by a funny chick.
5: Well, true. I like the, the did, did you read the Christopher Hitchin article? No, from Vanity Fair a couple years he ago. He hates Mother Teresa. Um, <laughs> he, was, he wasn't sure. No, and, but he wrote Elaine this article. Too.
0: He me hates too. Elaine Boozler and Rosie O'Donnell, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: not Rosie O'Donnell's not funny, so I get it. Yeah, yep. He, hates, he doesn't get God or Rosie O'Donnell,
5: but he he said he said, uh, and the article was called Why Women Aren't Funny, and That's it caused not true. no, 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 but. But read the art if you read the article, it's actually extremely interesting. And he talks about how like women have to have babies and that gives them an extremely serious responsibility. Oh, it's true. And so he makes a lot of good and, and he says one men don't like funny women because you can't be funny unless you're super intelligent. Because it's like a logic game.
0: You know, I can actually just say I was at a carnival this past weekend as we were talking to your oh, opening God, segment. Oh, I love carnivals. And uh, <laughs> there are a lot of women that are not taking their responsibilities as mothers very, very serious. seriously. <laughs> no.
2: You they don't have online. to have a
1: license to be yeah. a mother. That's, go, that's the true, thing. But go, you do go, to t- be a comedian. No, well, here's the thing. If you didn't know how to nurture your children 400 years ago, they would die. Yeah. But nowadays, it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, eat this. The I, iPad I, I, I will don't tell don't them what a, to do. I don't care. Go amongst And the my, my son, as we speak, is yeah. playing oh, on Oh,
5: yeah. The Sorry, I didn't. Yeah. That was not a gift. I know, you know it is. Shit. But <laughs> women have so many things against.
1: You'll come around. Women have so many obstacles because men, when they see them on stage, go, do I want to have sex with that woman? Absolutely. Or no. And then she's a pig. Or, like, I don't want to talk to her, and now she's a bitch. Yep. Or, and, but women, they we've lived through this, oh my God, we've lived, there's a whimpering child in the background. We've lived through a man-centric world to this point, and it's really hard for, what's wrong, buddy? Do
2: you want to go out? I think the iPad died. No. Brendan,
1: can you be quiet just for a moment <laughs> more? Do you want to go outside? Okay, oh, going I'm going to open the door and let yeah. the end that. Yeah. Do you want to go sit on the couch? My son is with me. because Brendan. <laughs>
2: Brendan's very sweet. He doesn't want to hear about this. He wants
1: to back.
5: He's frightened. Yeah.
1: Don't puke have, on yourself. Women, uh, the, the, the thing is, man culture has been the culture for yes. uh, 5,000 years. So now that's neutral. People say, oh, I look at you, uh, you're a man, and you're the, you're the baseline. And what you say is fine. They have
5: a blank canvas. Yeah, but women do not. Women have
1: to go. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm not what you think. Yeah. Or uh, you look I at me and say, think. Yeah, you. Uh, yeah, and you kind of. And it's 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 up until recently, women have just had to be. I'm a whore. Or I'm a professional. A, I'm a dyke. Or yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? There's I, no
5: like regular. I'm just, just a person. You just can't come in and
1: say I'm like you. Here's yeah, yeah. what I yes. have to go through every day. Unless right. you unless you walk into a room of dykes and whores. Yeah, and they, i like,
2: always bomb in always bombing. Yeah. You're the but hottest. You're the hottest woman of the room. The, <laughs> the main thing about being a, a female comic for me, and the problem with it is, is you're that not a female. Comics, I'm not. <laughs> but I, I hang out with more female comics than male comics, especially with Dave with a dress but, you know, the problem is also com- female comics are told that they're funny sometimes when they're not funny because that guy wants to fuck them, whether it's an audience member or another male comic. Nobody wants to fuck but, you, Derek. N- exactly. <laughs> Nobody – we don't have to go get over that hurdle. But you know what? It's weird.
1: There's a whole thing about men who have a sense of humor. I, I want to have sex with them. And it's – Show it's, me
2: that group because I need to see it on Facebook. Listen, you
1: have a beautiful wife. Yeah, I know that. You have a beautiful yeah, wife. Yeah, I know. Some children. Yeah, Oh my she, God! child is whimpering outside whimpering the door. Again. How dare he? The nerve it's of that horrifying. young
0: boy! Is he all right? Yeah, no, everything's fine. I think. The, I don't um, think so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Do you want to sit? What is it here? Let's just, just why, why, why did he come? In, here. Does he, he want to talk the on the radio? Brenda, do yeah. you want to say something?
0: You can swear oh, it's well, XM. Well, do you want <laughs> <you know, laughs> to sit on my lap? Brendan, do you know this?
1: Do you want to sit on my lap?
0: you know the seven dirty words you can say them.
1: This is the time me. it's appropriate. Here's the thing, you know, my wife, do, we have two children and yep. she took the uh, the little baby and uh, <laughs> can we turn that down? <laughs> we took the little she took the little baby, hey. uh, Cleopatra, I know. I turned off your iPad. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> now um Dad, look at those less batteries. I know. There's only 3% left. Oh, That's no. the end of fun.
2: Oh, it's no. sad. The end of the world. The you minds know, are I, right. I,
1: I yep. was thinking of, uh, when I was a kid, I literally would have a block of wood to play
2: with.
1: Sure. <laughs> and yeah. a, did you have a knife to whittle with? Yeah, I had nothing. Oh. I had nothing. And, and my father would eventually say, we have to keep warm now. We're going to <laughs> burn, burn your, <laughs> t- toys. Burn, burn your Time to toys. Burn your and, toys. And yeah, that was it. And uh, now... My, he has this thing. He's totally adept at it. He can do anything with it. He oh can yeah, fight. Uh, not with
0: 3% battery life
1: left. You <laughs> uh, can't do anything. You know. But I have to say, this guy... Is there
2: a guy,
4: block of wood app? <laughs> no, I of course not. That. I wish
1: there were, because I would be all over that. No. Give it to
4: me.
2: Wait, when you're doing the producers, one mm-hmm. thing that a lot of people don't realize is, as comedians, sometimes we perform for half an hour, sometimes an hour, maybe two or three times a week. If it's busy, it's a five-show week. But being in the but producers... But if you're Russell Peters, well, you perform well, 24 Jesus, hours a day. Every day. <laughs> you're on all
1: the time. Well, yeah. uh, there's different countries and markets It's exhausting. T-shirts
2: and action figures. Different
1: political situations. The Chinese
2: to make fun of. There's all kinds of There's uh, so
1: many races to identify with.
2: (laughs) But that show was 90 minutes pretty much, right? No, it was about three hours. Three hours? Oh, my God. Three
1: hours. They would chastise us once again if we went over three hours, but it was really freaking long. How many shows a week? Uh, we would do eight shows a week so oh, wow. Um, we'd have Monday off. we do well good. That's two fair. shows uh, we'd do two shows on Wednesday two shows on Saturday, and they were three hours long. It was oh. an epic. And Did you get hooked on speed or anything like uh, that? Were the t- I was drunk trying to... most of it because okay. I was very sad at the time. Well, I, w- I was, was breaking it... up with uh, my wife, yeah, uh, who was not really my wife and never made me happy. So Jesus it was time to move <laughs> yeah, yeah. on.
5: Was she uh, always walking the red carpet? <laughs> no, she was just not ever.
1: Here's the thing. If you're a comedian and you have a wife, or if you're in any job, I suppose, mm-hmm. There's wives or husbands yep. who just say, you uh, you just don't understand how hard it is to be me. And I'm like, well, I do a lot of work and I am judged on it constantly. Right. Yeah. So if you don't want I, – I don't know. What am I supposed to do to make you feel better about yourself apart from – just giving you money. Right. You know
2: it's hard because I I remember one time it was during <laughs> during this period of your life that I saw you at the Rivlast telling Dave this before you came tonight. And I saw you at the Rivoli, and you went on, and you 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 know, you destroyed like you always do, destroy at the Rivoli. But backstage, you seemed kind of depressed or sad. It was during that period of your life. Yeah. And I remember walking away, saying to whoever I was with comic-wise, I, I hope said,
1: "He fucking dies." No,
2: well, <laughs> close, <laughs> close. Yeah. You know what I said at that moment? I hey, said this to Dave. No. I said, you know, what's really sad to me is, you know, I still think you're one of the best comics in this country, whether you want to call yourself a comedian or not. Right. And you're so talented, and you have <laughs> had so many kicks. At the can and things have worked and some things haven't and to see you sad like that was kind of even sad for me
1: well you know it's weird I I don't know you just got to keep moving and yeah. making things right I think that as a, com- a Canadian you get that privilege uh, and in America, you you either look good and you get your job. Yep. And you do that and then you do your 10 years on a sitcom and then you're gone. Yeah. But it, Canada kind of keeps you on your toes and makes you work hard and reconfigure yourself every two years and... And, and try to sell yourself again. There's a lot and, of reinventing. At yeah. first I thought
5: you were being really positive, and now I can't tell. No,
1: it is good. You are being positive. It is yeah. good. Okay, I right. mean, well, wait, no, because
5: that's actually the nicest take Canada, I've, Canada I've is the
1: hardest place to live in the world. I mean, what, <laughs> you, it, if, if you're a performer, because you're never bigger than the production company, or you're never bigger than the network, you're well, never bigger than anything else. Here's <laughs> the thing. Uh, America, the one thing that's great about it is they spend their own money on the shows. Right. So if it fails, it's them being hosed and losing their shirts. In Canada, everybody fails, and then they move over to the next project where they'll fail. Right. No one ever, like, they're always using government grant money. Right. If you want to get in TV, you should maybe go to uh, Regina, which is 80,000 people, but that's the center of television in this country. And in Britain, there's a kind of beautiful middle range where BBC makes a lot of money they, uh, they get a little license fee they're kind of like the um, they, they're the public broadcaster there, but they still are big enough that they can
0: <laughs>
1: fries the are sky <laughs> My son is playing with uh, the trans I translate right now, which is an amazing program if you, if you want to try it out it's just, it here, you let, let, me, let me try it here I'll show you. "'I want to put on my pants.' (laughs)
2: Is that
1: it? <laughs> oh, it's a great one. Get a hold of it. Um, I'm not going to get on that train. Whatever. Britain It's kind me. of like the best of both worlds. It's a place that actually makes really great TV and they have enough money to do it. Yeah. But I think Canada, what they should be doing is is not trying to be anybody else. They right, should exactly. not be trying to be anybody else. What, Brandon? This is, you know, humans are hearing you whimper. <laughs> oh, um, It sounds like I'm a bad parent, but it's true. Uh, but Canada should be doing things like the office. They should be doing things like... Of course
2: they should, yeah. They should be doing things where it's like, Brendan,
1: I love this guy. (laughs) Uh, they should be doing things that are like, uh... Like, make having no money a virtue. Right. And we have so many great, talented people and great writers, but the one thing nobody ever wants to spend money on in Canada is writing. Right. Right. And I think that's the only thing that makes a difference in Canada Mm -hmm. and and what will separate us from everybody. And everybody says, oh, Canadians have such a great sense of humor. No, they don't. Like, look at the comedy that's on TV in Canada. It's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. It's middle-of-the-road crap. Yep. And anybody who has a brilliant... (laughs) I love you, Brendan. Anybody who has a uh, has a really good point of view or right. wants to make money leaves. Like yeah. great writers like Rob Sheridan, yeah. they're gone. They're, mm-hmm. They've left. You well, know,
0: and uh, and Brian Hart,
1: who used to write for Kids in the Hall. And yeah, I remember him opening up for the Juice Pigs. And because there's nothing, there's nothing for you here, uh, and there should be. Right, right? Well, we should make what we should do is make little stories about people that will sell everywhere in the world because people live everywhere in the world and and these stories exist. Yeah. And um, it, it, I don't know. I, okay, well we're run,
2: we're almost out of time,
1: but I do want to. Sorry I, if I'm boring you. No, no, we, we, no, no, it's okay. Now.
2: But we do want to push. Humming, he's humming now. But I know, he, I'm he's, sorry, Darren. We, it's okay. We have to push your podcast because oh, that's yes. some a way for people to find you and get to know you more outside of your stand-up, So where do they go if they want to hear your podcast? Well,
1: if they want to hear my podcast, you go to iTunes and okay. it's absolutely free. So it's that's a really. That's like the, really pod. the Sean. Poud, it's called the Sean Pod. The Sean Pod. It's. And you can get it on iTunes. I and mean, we've had a lot of great guests on the show, like Scott Thompson. And you've had Scott. On yeah, Scott's too. a friend of the show. My yeah. God, I love Scott Thompson. And Very I think you should write a book about his amazing life. Yeah, because he is just an incredible trailblazer. Like, no one was going, "I'm gay," and here's what it's about. What I love about him, though, is not just that he said he was gay, but just that gays are also dicks. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not just like, <laughs> "Gay, I'm gay, and
2: it's awesome." Yeah. That's get like getting a jail-free card. I he, suck cock. Yeah. No, you can be an asshole too. No, yeah.
1: but gays are her- Dicks as
2: well. Yep.
0: That's a weird analogy. That's my get out of jail free card. As I suck dick, that should be almost. <laughs> Listen, good. Get you back should stay jail. in jail yeah, that's <laughs> yours. because you've got <laughs> friends. In make there. make
1: a couple of bucks. Yeah, but I have to say thank you, uh, Rebecca. You're thank you, so Sean. Thank you. Lovely, and uh, and I always love seeing you. And you're a good friend of my wife. Yeah, loves you and always uh, always admires your work. Pleasure. And little little Davy. Oh, thank you, Sean. Ever since uh, my brother used to be doing stand up, yes. maybe 15 years ago.
0: Well, I, I still keep in touch. with with uh, uh, Glenn, who's a, a very funny and, uh, and and dirty
1: man in his own I, I funny way, and Darren, who is like the greatest human being, I try to my still best. live yep. and do what he does. Yep. I mean, no
2: one's killed you yet, not yet. Close. You know what? When it's my called... kids turn eighteen, it's for open season. It's <laughs> called
1: charm, Darren. That's right. It's called charm. Smile more. Uh, thank you, Sean. Thank
2: you, friends.
1: Bye. Bye. All right,
2: everybody. That is the show. Our two interviews with Mike Damber and Sean Cullen. We want to give a shout out to them and thanking them for coming into the studio.
0: And we hope Sean's uh, child stops whining at yeah. a certain point. Yeah. For I, future I future radio okay. yeah. I hope that kid's oh, okay. I hope that kid's okay. he's fine. All right. His iPad's sure? recharged and he'll yeah. be okay.
2: His asshole is now clean. Hey, like we, stop that. Know.
0: Well, we were talking about my asshole. not uh, Okay, yeah. Yeah. You, the words shave asshole sounds very weird.
2: Well, that's what you're doing. That's, I know that's I know what, that's yeah, that what you, you want to, t- you know, call it taint or some other nice word. You, you're taint your
0: asshole are two separate things. I know, though. but
2: I'm just saying, you clean up a word, it's still near your asshole. It's still going to smell. It's still a taint, whatever.
0: It's the bad side of your, your asshole. Yeah. It's like the wrong side of the tracks.
2: Is it the wrong side of the tracks? Well, it's the- Once it's you shave a, it,
0: it is. Oh, uh, you know I, I'm going to shave one cheek and does it grow back thicker?
2: Yes. Oh.
0: I'm to shave one. Yes. I'm to have like a before and after thing on my ass. Yeah, it's like and, a, and then,
2: and then you get like, the first time you do it, it's, it's, you've know you got to use the two razor one, and then the next time it's three because it grows so thick, and then the next time it's four, and then eventually you're just getting like a fucking hedge, hedge like a head shaver, you know, the head shaver, and then the hedge clippers. And then a weed
0: whacker. Yeah, and then, okay. sure, right
2: between your legs. Oh, Yeah, enjoy oh. that, Dave, in the summer, the nice sweat running down the crack of your ass. See, I think it would take away from the stink. Would that happen? No, cleaning yourself after you shit takes care of the stink. Yeah, well, geez. I do that too. Yeah, you know what? When you have kids, you have things called wet wipes. It really helps. You Does should it? just have a bunch of wet wipes. If someone comes in, and goes, I don't have kids, but sometimes I look after kids. That's all right. I to say. Well, I, well no, I,
0: I, I don't answer ask any questions when people
2: go in your bathroom.
1: Exactly. All
0: right. <laughs>
2: They're just no, looking to get out of their lives. No, but I mean, not having you know, body parts the,
0: sent to a yeah, nobody asks me. You know, why are you buying this when I go to a drugstore and even like that. Sure, but I have heard a lot of dudes. You know, like, exclaim about the uh, the, wet yeah, the, oh, the wet wipes. the wet wipes. The wet wipes baby are wipes. amazing. Yeah? They're amazing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. There's no stink after a wet wipe.
0: I've heard Howie Mandel and Howard Stern both uh, talk yeah. about how great the baby absolutely. wipes are on your butt. Yeah. yeah.
2: And you get a big pack of them for two dollars at Walmart. They're flushable.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna go to a a local place to buy my wet wipes. You go do that. I'm not gonna to go to a big box store like Walmart. Yeah, you don't want like someone Walmart, trying to yeah. making
2: your own fucking wet wipes? No, I
0: want them homegrown, locally. Right. I want them right. to get my local uh, wet wipes. Homegrown yeah. wet
2: wipes.
0: <laughs> I want them you to care come about from, the environment. Uh, David. Exactly. That's yeah. right.
2: We're gonna take the heat from your asshole to fund your iPod <laughs> and dishwasher Recharge and your locally it, yeah. grown. Uh, all right. That is the show. So, uh, you ran it. out of
0: steam talking about shaving butts. I
2: did. I, we ran out of it a long time ago. Okay. Uh, that is the show. Thank you to Victoria for making us sound great this week at you, the go, you boys the very nice. We sounded today. very good with no girl here. And uh, that's it. So till next week, we have new episodes on our iTunes account, and our Facebook group is uh, pushing that every single week. What's the new ones this week, Dave?
0: Uh, this week, uh, I think we're going to have the, the Dylan Got One and the Mark Forward uh, okay. interview will be up Perfect. Uh, very soon. And um, yeah. Yeah, that's all I got, all I got to say about that. Right. Yeah, check us out on uh, Twitter at anythinggoesha and uh, davemartinworld.com. Uh,
2: and me is Comedy whore is my Twitter and also my website comedyhoarder.com. July twelfth to fourteenth, the Gray Bruce Comedy Festival is hitting Hanover, Port Elgin, and Owen Sound. So if you want information about that, go to GreyBruceComedyFestival.com because I will be there. All right, that's it. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Yay!
0: Yeah, get out of here. Don't puke on your show.